You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, November 25th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, repeated COVID infections pose significant health risks, study warns. From New Atlas. And new personalized treatment signals the future of cancer therapy. From USA Today. Plus, when everything is heavy, a touch of humor can help. From the New York Times. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Repeated COVID infections pose significant health risks, study warns. By Rich Handy from New Atlas. In the first study to investigate the effects of repeat SARS-CoV-2 infections on a person's general health, researchers have found COVID reinfections can increase one's risk of neurological diseases, diabetes, lung problems, and heart disease. The findings suggest a second or third COVID infection could result in adverse health outcomes not seen during an initial infection. During the past few months, there's been an air of invincibility among people who have had COVID-19 or their vaccinations and boosters, and especially among people who have had an infection and also received vaccines. Some people started referring to these individuals as having a sort of super immunity to the virus, explained senior author on the new study, Zayed Al-Ali. Over the last couple of years, it has become increasingly clear that COVID-19 is not just a brief respiratory disease. In the months after an infection, studies have shown recovered patients are at a greater risk of heart problems, stroke, neurological disease, and diabetes. But with the rise of Omicron and accompanying massive waves of COVID reinfections, it is unclear whether those increased risks persist with each new infection. If you were fine after your first encounter with COVID, does that mean your second or third infection will be similar? According to Al-Ali's new research, published in the journal Nature Medicine, each subsequent COVID infection increases a person's cumulative risk of suffering from a broad assortment of health problems. Al-Ali is an epidemiologist at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis who has been working with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs for several years. His research digs into massive healthcare databases and tracks population-level effects of COVID infections. Instead of focusing on the acute effects of SARS-CoV-2 infections, Al-Ali has been interested in studying how COVID infections can increase rates of other health problems in the weeks and months after the initial disease. His prior work has found initial infections can up a person's risk of heart and brain problems for up to a year. The new research looked at the effects of second and third COVID infections in a cohort of several million U.S. veterans. The study built a control group of around 5 million non-infected subjects and compared their rates of several diseases to what is seen in a cohort of subjects with one COVID infection, which is around 400,000 people, and two or more infections, around 40,000 people. Without ambiguity, our research showed that getting an infection a second, third, or fourth time contributes to additional health risks in the acute phase, meaning the first 30 days after infection, 
and in the months beyond, meaning the long COVID phase, Al-Ali explained. This means that even if you've had two COVID-19 infections, it's better to avoid a third. And if you've had three infections, it's best to avoid the fourth, he said. The findings strikingly reveal that people on their second or third COVID infection are three times more likely to suffer from heart or kidney problems and almost twice as likely to suffer from neurological disorders compared to people experiencing only one COVID infection. In general, the health risks accompanying a reinfection were highest in the 30-day period after initial infection, but some risk did persist for up to six months, and this increased risk was present regardless of a person's vaccination status. Perhaps the most important thing to understand from this new study is that a second or third COVID infection is not more dangerous than the first, but instead it generates additional risk for other health problems. Looking at cumulative risk over several infections, the study clearly shows a second infection increases a person's chances of detrimental outcomes compared to someone who avoided that extra encounter with the virus. As Al-Ali explained to CNN, this means a person on their second or third infection still faces a greater overall risk of broad health complications compared to someone only infected once. So, for example, if a second infection hypothetically generates half the risk of heart complications compared to the first infection, it still means a person faces a substantial increased risk following reinfection. Ultimately, Alali stressed the importance of remaining vigilant in trying to avoid reinfection with SARS-CoV-2, even if your first bout with the virus was seemingly benign. Our findings have broad public health implications as they tell us that strategies to prevent or reduce the risk of reinfection should be implemented, he added. Going into the winter season, people should be aware of the risks and practice vigilance to reduce their risk of infection or reinfection with SARS-CoV-2, he said. Up next, new cancer therapy takes personalized medicine to a new level. New research combines several cutting-edge technologies to deliver personalized cancer care, offering future hope for hard-to-treat patients, by Karen Weintraub from USA Today. Personalized care has been a buzzword in medicine for years, but new research on cancer treatment is taking it to a new level. Detailed in a study published recently in the journal Nature, the new approach combines several cutting-edge technologies to provide perhaps the most complicated treatment ever given. But by targeting a patient's own tumor from within, it also offers the possibility of successfully treating people who are out of options. I would call this a glimpse into the future of cancer therapy, said Dr. Michelle Satellane, a physician scientist who directs the Center for Cell Engineering at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and was not involved in the research. The study showed it can be feasible and safe to turn the immune system against cancer using a highly personalized approach, Satellane said. Dr. Anthony Rebus, who helped lead the work, said it's the most complicated treatment he's ever given. And in this early trial, it didn't cure or even much help the 16 patients who received it. But the promise, the ability to give people an effective treatment individualized across many different variables, could open a new era in cancer therapy. If we turn on the immune system the right way, the immune system has memory 
and can lead to long-term responses, said Rebus, a professor of medicine at UCLA and at UCLA Johnson Comprehensive Cancer Center. The leap forward here is we have tackled several problems at a time to advance a new form of cell therapy, he said. Now we have to optimize it, he said. Fighting cancer. The big challenge in fighting cancer is that cancer cells look pretty much the same as every other cell. Chemotherapy and radiation are as targeted as they can be, but still kill off lots of healthy cells, which is why they make people sick. Cancers, like viruses, evolve. That's why it's crucial to do what this trial did and attack the cancer from multiple directions at once, said Dr. Kai Witcher-Fenning, chairman of the Department of Cancer Immunology and Virology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. It's very important to try to anticipate what the escape routes are for the tumor, so you try to block them, said Witcher Penning, who was not involved in the new study. Rebus and his colleagues at Pact Pharma, a South San Francisco biotech company, combined four cutting-edge strategies to distinguish cancer cells from non-cancer cells. First, Satellane said, they were able to analyze genetic mutations in the tumor cells. Then, they identified immune cells in the patient's own body that could recognize those mutated cells. From there, they were able to figure out what made those immune cells so effective. And finally, they genetically engineered the patient's own immune cell so more of them could identify and kill tumor cells. What it ultimately shows is that this is feasible, Satellane said. You can string together all these steps and reach a point where you have these cells to give to some of your patients, he said. Detailing the battle. Every cell in the body has a series of receptors, essentially flags, on its surface. Finding and killing only those cells flagged as part of a tumor offers a way to fight cancer. In blood cancers, most tumor cells have the same flag. Attack those with a CD19 flag, for instance, and most people with acute lymphoblastic leukemia will be successfully treated, if not cured. Some healthy cells also carry CD19 flags, but people can live without them. But in solid tumors like lung, breast, colon, and prostate cancers, the cancer cells carry all sorts of flags, also commonly found on cells needed for survival. Using the new approach, researchers essentially identified the series of flags most likely to be found on tumor cells and gene-edited immune cells to attack them. The goal, Rebus said, is to get the great results seen with blood cancers in these solid tumors. To at least have a chance of treating solid tumors with a cell therapy that has been given the GPS to recognize the solid tumor because it recognizes mutations that are in the cancer cells and not in the normal cells, he said. Researchers altered the immune cells using CRISPR gene editing. This offered a few advantages, said Dr. Katie Rizvani, an oncologist and section chief of cell therapy at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, who was not involved in the research. Normally, viruses are used to engineer cells, she said, but viruses can insert themselves into cells randomly, take a long time to manufacture, and are expensive. CRISPR, a Nobel Prize-winning approach to gene editing, allowed the researchers to make multiple, precise edits to the same cells. Once automated, this process can move much faster than would be possible with the virus and for far less cost, she said. 
You can build on this. You can make it better and more potent and faster, Rezvani said. In the next five years or so, we are going to see many more of these cell therapies that will be using CRISPR as a genetic tool enter the clinic, she said. The new study was too small and the technology too premature to provide real benefit to the patients involved. Only the last patient who received the most cells, the best editing, and had the clearest mutations saw short-term improvement in the cancer, he said. Future research has to be directed at increasing the power of the cells to provide more benefit to patients, Satellane said. He and others are working on that. There are years or even decades ahead of us where we can hope that these various steps will be simplified, roboticized, streamlined, he said. While today it looks like a heroic effort, someday this will be more widespread and much cheaper, he said. Up next, when everything is heavy, a touch of humor can help. Beyond making tough moments a little easier, cultivating levity is good for your health. By Carolyn Todd from the New York Times. Wendy Ahrens was writing at her local library when the sound of an angry voice made everyone look up. A patron, outraged over a book policy, vowed to take her child to another library and stormed off after berating the staff. The entire room was so upset, recalled Ms. Ahrens, a humorist in Austin, Texas. It was just this awful, uncomfortable silence, she said. But Ms. Ahrens, a pro at balancing humor and discomfort, saw an opening. She stood up and said, Hey, does anybody have the number for this other library? Because I want to call and give them a heads up, she said. Laughter erupted, the mood lifted. Things returned to normal. This is the subtle power of lightening up. Levity is a mindset, said Naomi Bagdonas, a lecturer at the Stanford Graduate School of Business who advises executives on leading with humor and humanity. It's looking for reasons to be delighted rather than disappointed in the world around you, she said. Ms. Bagdonas joins a course of experts who say cultivating levity is essential to well-being. Trying to lighten up might seem challenging given the state of the world, A more somber practice, like mindfulness, which certainly comes with perks, can feel more appropriate for these unprecedented times. But taking things less seriously allows us to travel more lightly, said Willibard Roosh, a professor and positive psychology researcher at the University of Zurich, and saves the organism and the soul from too much of a bumpy road, he said. Humor and levity have physiological benefits. When you're stressed, your nervous system initiates the fight-or-flight response, causing a cascade of physiological effects. Your body releases stress hormones that cause your heart rate and blood pressure to rise. Your breathing becomes short and shallow, and your muscles tense. Sometimes this is helpful, like when you're in immediate danger. But often, like when you're running late and stuck in traffic, The stress response adds unnecessary discomfort to an already unpleasant situation. Over time, chronic stress can negatively affect health. Levity is our primary vehicle for restoring a relaxed state, said Emiliana Simon-Thomas, science director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. It helps create a buffer and escape from the mental and physical stress that underpins so much of our suffering, she said. Humor and levity are related, but the terms aren't interchangeable. 
there are more studies on humor and other phenomena like laughter, playfulness, amusement, and cheerfulness, Dr. Roosh said, but much of the related research falls under the umbrella of levity, he explained. The core element that underlies these overlapping experiences is a sense of lightness, as well as a posture of not taking everything so seriously. Though declaring laughter is the best medicine might be a bridge too far, a good chuckle has potent effects. There are studies linking laughter to positive changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and muscle tension. And reams of other evidence support the idea that living with levity can help people feel better. There are small studies that connect laughter, humor, and feeling amused to increases in optimism, feeling in control, and life satisfaction, as well as decreases in depression, stress, and anxiety. Research also suggests that humor helps us build stronger bonds with each other, with links to greater satisfaction in both romantic relationships and the workplace. So, how do you cultivate more levity? The idea of working on levity may feel a little forced, but like building any other habit, practice helps, and there's evidence that purposely creating amusing experiences has the same benefits as spontaneous amusement. This applies even to the Eeyores among us. The capacity to experience amusement and levity is one of the ways that people can change, said Caleb Warren, co-director at the University of Colorado Humor Research Lab and marketing professor at the University of Arizona. To wit, Dr. Roosh and his colleagues had participants take an eight-week humor training course in which they completed the following tasks in the name of science. They watched more funny TV shows, laughed louder or longer than they normally would, identified puns in media and conversations, and made self-deprecating jokes. Humor trainees reported increases in cheerfulness and decreased seriousness as a result. So how do you try this at home without the help of an official humor training? Here are some ways to start. Look for things that are just the tiniest bit amusing. Searching for things that are funny can turn levity into a chore. Instead, try noticing what's true and a little bit delightful, Ms. Bagdonas advised. When your angry kid stomps into the room, does she kind of resemble a tiny drunk dictator? When you pass a dog park, can you appreciate how the entire affair seems like a canine singles bar? Sensitizing yourself to these moments primes you to notice and savor them, said Heather Walker, an organizational psychologist who describes herself as a recovering serious person and runs a workplace consultancy called Lead with Levity. Create a levity diary. Find time to record your amusing experiences. Maybe on your morning run, a man jogs past you wearing a Santa suit. During your commute, perhaps the train conductor makes a completely unintelligible announcement and you make eye contact with another commuter and laugh. These small moments are prime candidates for your diary. Humor-based intervention studies have found that simply writing down three funny things from your day or counting them throughout and reviewing the total at night for one week can reduce symptoms of depression and enhance well-being for up to six months. Read your diary periodically to replay the good feelings, and maybe even make yourself giggle. When you're rereading that, you are reliving that experience. Your body is going to benefit, Dr. Walker explained. When something goes wrong, 
try to take it lightly. The benign violation theory of humor says that harmless improprieties have lots of potential to be funny if you look at them the right way. Dr. Warren explained. So any time you commit or witness an innocuous faux pas, say forgetting to mute during a Zoom meeting and treating everyone to a conversation between you and your cat, that's a prime opportunity to experience amusement. Small mishaps are easy to reframe in the moment, but save more challenging material for later. Reframing bigger violations is easier in retrospect. Because time provides the psychological distance you need to reduce the perception of a threat, Dr. Warren said, a fight with your partner about who was supposed to unload the dishwasher, for instance, might feel more amusing a day or two after the initial set to. Spend time with people who make you chuckle. If the thought of keeping a levity journal or laughing at your own misfortunes makes you want to cry, let levity bubble up in the company of loved ones. Humor and lightness come very naturally when we're with the people who put us in a joyful state, Ms. Begdonas said. It's a fundamental melody of human conversation, she said. Get to know your own sense of humor. If you're sure you don't have a single funny bone in your body, you might not know your sense of humor. Everybody has one, said Jennifer Aker, a behavioral scientist and general Atlantic professor of marketing at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And putting a finer point on yours allows you to wield it. She and Ms. Bagdonas have identified four humor styles: those who are bold and irreverent, those who are more earnest and often self-deprecating, those who use sarcasm, masters of the unexpected dig, and those who are expressive and charismatic entertainers. Understanding your style allows you to notice and appreciate it, and primes you to be more aware of other people's attempts at humor, inclining you to be more generous with your laughter. Dr. Aker said, "Make humor a main ingredient in your media diet, along with fostering a levity mindset. Enjoy the low-hanging fruit of good comedy. There are an infinite number of TikTok posters, TV shows, writers, and podcasts out there." Why not exchange some of the grisly crime dramas with content that leaves you feeling amused? Ms. Aaron's recommended following comedians, humor writers, and personalities on social media, as well as mining Netflix for series that tickle your particular tastes. I would strongly suggest setting aside time to prioritize it, Ms. Aaron said. Even on really dark days, I try to find something that makes me laugh or smile, even if it's a stupid cat meme, she said. Up next, how hugs may stop stress from Consumer Reports on Health. Women who embraced a spouse or romantic partner before an unpleasant experience had a milder stress response than those who didn't embrace. In a study of young adults, some participants hugged for 20 seconds, but others didn't. All held a hand in ice water for three minutes. Afterward, women who hugged their partner had lower saliva levels of the stress hormone. Cortisol, men's levels were much less affected, and the source is close one. And also from Consumer Reports on Health, dental care and diabetes. People who have the chronic illness type two diabetes had twenty percent higher odds of tooth loss than other people in an analysis of twenty two observational studies. 
the culprit could be higher levels of inflammation in the gums or a dry mouth as a result of diabetes medication. Brushing your teeth twice a day, flossing them once daily, and seeing your dentist two times each year can help, according to the American Diabetes Association. And the source of this is BMC endocrine disorders. And finally, also from Consumer Reports on Health, sight-saving supplement. ARIDS-2 is the revised formula of an over-the-counter dietary supplement for people diagnosed with age-related macular degeneration. ARIDS is the original. In a National Eye Institute study, the newer formula cut the likelihood of progressing to late-stage AMD by 26%. And the source is JAMA Ophthalmology. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.